Let's turn in our Bibles to back to Psalm 107. And we welcome those who are listening in. The Lewises in Israel, if they're awake. <laughs> Maybe later. And the Spaldings in Colcan. Mother Merv. Davis. And uh, maybe Ross and Mary are watching in. Oh, that's, is that right? Yes, I think so. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and maybe Robert Post over in the middle of the Nullarbor. Robert, if you're watching in, <laughs> welcome to the service this morning. Psalm 107. What a wonderful psalm it is. And you'll, you'll find a repetition here. It's almost like a poem. And there's four, yea, five occasions where the psalmist is overcome by the goodness of God. After last week in Matthew's testimony and the goodness of God to keep knocking at our heart's door, and, uh, this week an elderly man of 88, I shared that with him about Matthew and and then in, he rung up and I thought it was an emergency I need to go back and something had happened over overnight but he said I just wanted to tell you <laughs> there's only well he's 92 now he was 88 when this happened he said four years ago I was sitting in this room in the retirement village and he said I like got a swift kick <laughs> that something just alerted me he said all my life I let my wife do the leading spiritually I just followed her and was glad to do so but then she got, she's gone but now it's up to me and that day I believed and trusted the Lord it's never too late folk and then I was reminded of someone else we all know I won't mention their name but on his ninth, the day before, his 90th birthday, in hospital, he thought he wasn't going to make the night out. He got saved that night. He turned to the Lord. And he did live a few more years. <laughs> you see, the Lord is good, isn't he? Amen. To keep men and women alive. And, and I say, when an unsafe person lives as long as they do, it's the mercy and grace of God that allows them to so that they have that opportunity to believe. God can take his children home at any time, early. Us, his children, we're ready. But others aren't, and he keeps them living. He's a good God, and this is what we find in this psalm here. <clears throat> we are called to praise the Lord for his goodness and grace. The redeemed are to give thanks. If you look at verse 1, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. For his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Give thanks for his goodness. This word good here is beautiful. It means beautiful, best, fine, kind, lovely, sweet. <laughs> That's the Lord Jesus, as we see that word used here. We praise him for his mercy. And as we read this psalm, it becomes clear that God was behind the dispersion of Israel. He took them into captivity. He sent them into captivity. He brought Babylon down. He brought the Assyrians down. 
to take them into captivity. Great disruptions in their life. Many of their loved ones died in that invasion. He might be behind the pain, but he did not forsake them in their problems, did he? He worked in them to bring them back to a place of restoration to himself and back eventually to their land 70 years later. And so I believe this psalm is written as you read it after the captivity, the bondage in Assyria, and particularly Babylon, for that's where the majority came back from. They are reminded of what the Lord had allowed them to suffer because of their sins and how the Lord delivered them when they called on him by faith. And you'll see that repetition in these verses. They are reminded of the consequences of their sin. They're reminded of the grace God showed them in forgiving them their sins and, and restoring them back to himself and to the land. They're called upon to praise him for his mercy and grace. What about us? We take for granted so often. We've just had the remembrance service. We take for granted the, the things that God has done for us and is doing for us and will do for us, as Sam mentioned, the future. God is ever there to hear when we call unto him. Day and night, he's there. There's a word for us today, isn't there, in this the saints of the Old Testament, it comes through to us loud and clear. We are reminded of where the Lord finds us and there's four situations that the Lord could find us in or had found us in and from which we've been delivered now. In verse 3, And gathered them out of the lands, and from the east, and from the west, and from the north, and from the south. The Lord gathered them out. He brought them back to the land. 50,000 in number from Babylon alone and with the, 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 those that led them back to the land read the Old Testament and you have that occasion for some hundreds of years they followed the Lord about 500 years but they got tradition going they got the Talmud <laughs> all the extra laws man-made laws to follow the Lord and then when Jesus came, they were in such turmoil, spiritually speaking, they were so far from God. Tradition had taken over. Rituals formed their worship. And God had to do something again that he'd done before. About 600 years earlier, he had to send them into captivity. And thus, and thus they had been until 1948. Now they're back in the land, but they're still away from the Lord. He's going to bring them back to himself, as we, we preached not so long ago. Well, <clears throat> praise the Lord for his goodness unto the children of men. Heavenly Father, bless the word as it is shared today for your glory. For each one listening in, in the service, or on the electronic devices, minister to them. And may we realise the wonderful position we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> he is the God who saves. In the first point there, and we'll move through them rapidly this morning, he redeems those who are in dire distress. Verse 4 reads, They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted 
in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. (laughs) We see their perplexity, first of all, as they're in this dire distress in verses 4 and 5. There's no road, no company, no supplies, no hope. These people were in a desperate condition, wanderers. The word means to stagger in verse 4 there. They were alone (laughs) without God. What a place to be in this world, in a place without God in desperate need of God. And probably 95 or 99% of the people of this world are right there. They're in dire distress. Some don't know it and some do know it. And so we see the perplexity they were in. And we were all there once upon a time. (laughs) We see the petition in verse 6. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. That's a repetitive one in verse Verse 6, verse 13, verse 19, and verse 28. They cried unto the Lord. Who else can you try can you cry to when you're in dire distress? None other than the Lord that will deliver you for eternity. They called on his name and he found them. Jeremiah 33 3 reads, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. In Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Have you prayed the prayer of, for deliverance from your dire distress? You had no way of going to the place that you needed to go to, and that was the city. Did you notice that there? (laughs) They had no city to go to. They had no place, dwelling place. And so their provision, they were given deliverance. They were given leadership. They were given a new city. And doesn't that parallel the Christian in his walk, or the unsaved person when he realizes his terrible position, believes... And then the Lord gives him direction from wandering all over the place to heading toward a what? (laughs) A city. A city, as John saw in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 4. And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned, adorned for her husband. God then sets our sights on the city. Now remember Pilgrim and Pilgrim's Progress. He had had his eyes on the city, didn't he? And I pray that as you walk the walk of life, that your eyes are on the city, on the Lord of the city, the light of the city. And so he's provided us with that promise that we walk toward the eternal city. As these who they, when they were going back, I'm, I can imagine in my mind as the, the main group came back to Israel from Babylon. It's a long trek, if you look at it from Ur of the, from way over in Babylon, if you like where Ur, right up the Euphrates and across and then down to, on foot, on foot, walking with a whole group of people to make that. And, and all the time in their mind that some of them, if they're older, 70 years old, remembered the city they could recall the land 
Now, they were going to go back to a place that, wow, this is really messed up. <laughs> Things had taken over there. The heathen had been running the place. And the vagabonds left, the Jews that were left there by Nebuchadnezzar was, were there and hadn't taken care of the place. But they looked for that place. We have a place that is prepared for us in heaven. And we look forward to going there. I pray that you'd get your, get our, you and I would get our eyes off the things around us, this world, get our eyes on heaven. Till he comes, Sam read <laughs> this morning, till he comes. We remember him till he comes, then we'll see him by, by sight. Notice their praise there in verse 8. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. And for his wonderful works to the children of men. These people, these Jews were thanking God that they were going back home. For he satisfieth the longing soul, he filleth the hungry soul with goodness. Remember in Babylon, the Babylonians said, play us a song of Zion. What did they say? How can we when we're in a strange country? It would be wonderful when we get to heaven to sing the songs of Zion, won't it? <laughs> to sing the songs of heaven. Not the worldly songs, not this contemporary stuff anymore. I mean, not here, but in so many places. He, secondly, he redeems those who are in the despair of darkness in verses 10 through to 6. Notice their perplexity there. Such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron, because they rebelled against the words of God and contemned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. There they were in Babylon, in the irons. They were locked in the irons, in the prison house. Oh, what a terrible place to be, in despair and darkness and in the dungeon. Some people, most people who are unsaved are trapped in this same prison today. In spiritually speaking, the prison of fear, the, the prison of worry, of loneliness, of besetting sins, of jealousy, unforgiveness. Trapped in the past, the hurts, the heartaches and the hatred, the bitterness that comes with all these things. The perplexity of life, you're like clapped in the irons, I've never been in, in jail. <laughs> but it'd be a horrible place to be in the old sorts of jail, not in the modern one. Mm. I think they let them off too lightly, don't they? Paying for their sins and we pay for their pleasure. But the, these, these, this day, being in Babylon, away from your people, away from all that was familiar to you, away from your family, you can think of Daniel. <laughs> he was taken. And as he was going to Babylon, imagine the thoughts of his mind. What was going to happen? What is it going to be like? And so many people are in that today. The Lord Jesus said in Luke chapter 1 and verse 79, to give light to them, this is why Jesus came, came to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. <laughs> That's our perplexity in darkness and the shadow of death, bound in affliction and locked in the irons. And then we see the petition in verse 13, then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. Then they cried unto the Lord. <laughs> we don't have to walk in bondage, do we? 
As believers who have been delivered, we can cry unto the Lord at any time. We can take our burden, the songwriter said, to the Lord. And he will hear. And he will deliver. And so we see the petition there, crying unto the Lord in their trouble. And then the provision in the last part of verse 13, and he saved them out of their distress. Remember when Daniel was in Babylon? We're talking about this group of people here. He was in Babylon, and then he read the book of Jeremiah, or the writings of, not the book, maybe hadn't become a book, the letter of Jeremiah that we have as a book in the Bible. What did he come across in reading Jeremiah that really got him inspired? (laughs) In 70 years, you'll be in captivity, and after that, I will deliver you. And what did he do? He went to prayer as at other times, opened his window and prayed toward Jerusalem. Lord, deliver thy people. Even though it was written in the word, he still prayed for it. God providentially was going to do it, but he prayed for it. He petitioned God for it. And the provision was, is seen there in those verses. He saved them in their distress. In verse 14, he brought them out of darkness, the shadow of death, and broke their bands asunder. They were going home. They were going to deliverance, back to the promised land from the bondage of darkness and sin. Hasn't God done that for us as well? Listen to what Romans 7.24 says. Paul said, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the bondage of this death? And he said, I thank God through Jesus Christ. He can deliver us. Galatians 1.4, it reads, Who gave himself for us that he might deliver us from this present evil world are you looking for the deliverance we've been delivered spiritually we're on our way to heaven we're sealed into the body of christ but we're waiting for the redemption of this old body aren't we (laughs) and who will deliver me from the body of this death god the lord jesus will deliver us we won't have to go on in eternity i think it's a grace of god that we did we die at 70 i mean that's what the lord said (laughs) How would you like to be Methuselah and live for 960 years in a wicked world? I tried to uh, explain that to, uh, uh, they were doing a whatever on my ticket today, uh, last week, and just talking to the girl, I tried to bring her into a spiritual conversation. She was very talkative. Echocardiogram or something like that, anyway. And, and they were, and I said, oh, the, the uh, surgeon said that this, Valve has been tested for, to go for 250 years. <laughs> and I said to the surgeon who was a Jew, well, I'll live as long as Methuselah. <laughs> and he grinned because he knew who Methuselah was. He was a Jew. <laughs> and um, I said, do you know who Methuselah is to the girl this week? She didn't. <laughs> I said he lived 960 years, believe it or not. He did. <laughs> the Bible says so. But... Uh, <clears throat> He's, he's going to deliver us, isn't he? We won't need a, a new ticket. We need a new body, an immortal body that will be there, uh, last for eternity. And so we have the provision. God has delivered us from bondage and he's delivered us, praise to his name. Hebrews 2.15 reads, And delivered them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. From despair and darkness and from the dungeon, dungeon he has delivered us. Are we thankful for that? Well, notice these people were in verse 15 and 16 as they were going to be delivered from the bondage of of, um, Babylon and Assyria. 
Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his what? Good. God is a good God. And for his wonderful works to the children of men. Yes, he speaks to people in their old age who thought they were believers all their life and then they, the light shone in. <laughs> and praise God. And I said to the man this week, I said, you're very fortunate. Not many people become Christians at 88. Most people are so set and hard in their ways and hard-hearted that they don't want to listen to it. But praise God, he can still save. He's the God of the impossible. So <clears throat> they praised him. Do we praise him? We have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry what? Abba, Father. <laughs> we've been delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. We were on death row. Is appointed unto man once to die, but after that the judgment. But God delivered us. Thirdly, the third section here begins with verse 17 well we'll read verse 16 for he hath broken the gates of brass and cut the bars of iron in sunder do you, do you know what it means to have that happen being released from jail spiritually being released from the bonds of Satan the brass bands have gone and the iron have been cut asunder and then verse 17, the next section, fools because of their transgression and because of their iniquity are afflicted. Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat and they draw near unto the gates of death. So here we have the third group and their perplexity in verse 17 and 18. Because they had discarded the word of God, they're afflicted and they're near unto death, as it reads here. They are sick in soul and body. Praise God that we who have been delivered know what it means to be delivered from this bondage. For the fear of death, all their lifetime subject to bondage. You know what man fears most? It is death, isn't it? Unsaved people will hang on to life as long as they can. They'll pay heaps of money. They'll give all their savings to live a few more years. Rich men who can afford it, will get in there as quick as they can and get it fixed. Why? They don't want to die. <laughs> and this is here, the perplexity. The, the dread of death is upon them. No man can live for eternity in this old body. It's sin sick. They're lost in sin. And so we have that perplexity of all people. They forgot his word, Israel did. God had to bring them back to himself by taking them where he took them to make them look up like Nebuchadnezzar and recognize the Lord is still on the throne. We see their petition again the same as the others in verse 19. Then they cried unto the, they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. <laughs> we cry unto the Lord in our sin, in the dread of death, and we say, Lord, save me. Like Peter when he was on the water. Huh. He, he looked around and saw all the things were going on, the waves boisterous, and he started to sink. He was going down. And he cried, Lord, save me. Remember the Philippian jailer? He cried to the, to the 
to uh, was it Paul and Silas in jail there, and uh, sirs, what must I do to be saved? You've got what I need. Your life is so changed. You're singing in prison. You're singing after I beat you. What is it that you can do that for? Who, who is it that saved you? How can I be delivered from the bondage of death, this dread of death? Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. <clears throat> and so their petition is given there and their provision is seen in verse 19, the last part and verse 20. And he saveth them out of their distresses. What does it say in Romans 10, 9 and 10? That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, what does it say? Thou shalt be saved. You can be absolutely assured that you will be saved, become one of his if God's working, striving with your spirit by his spirit. So we see the provision. God gave them life. He sent his word in verse 20. And he healed them and delivered them from, the, from their destructions, from the dread of death. Through the word, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And their praise is seen in verse 21. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his what? Goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. How many people in this world are praising God for this? Very few. Very few. What a sad situation. What a terrible situation. That God has done all he can, sending his son, and that men are still in the dread of death because they have not believed. And lastly, fourthly, we see verse 23 to 32. Well, let's... Yeah, read there, verse 22. Let them sacrifice the sacrifice of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. They that go down to the sea in the ships that do business in great waters. There was a lot of seafaring men around in those days too. These see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heavens, they go down to the depths. Their soul is melted because, melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man. They are uh, at their wit's end. I remember when uh, we went to Tasmania, that's in 2004, and we had to go on the spirit of Tasmania. You know that thing they advertise? <laughs> I've never been, I've been out in the little ships, you know, out in the, the reef and things like that, but there was a real storm developed just prior to us going oh, don't really want to go <laughs> I get seasick I know that I proved it burly for the fish <laughs> but anyway the, this storm rose and the spirit of Tasmania had to turn around and come back the first time ever we weren't on that one we were going a couple of days later and it had calmed down but we were on the ship that was there's two of them one going that way one going and the whole place stunk because all the water had come in, all over the, in the carpets or all over the, everywhere, and it reached the bridge of the ship. And that's very high, just in Bass Strait there. And I thought, I'm glad I wasn't on that one. <laughs> I would feel just like this one here, these people here. And folks, that's what people are like today. They're on the, in the sea of life. And the waves have risen. 
They're going up on the crests and down the depths. That's what the psalmist is describing here as a people that were in Babylon in captivity. And that's what the people of this world are in today. They're like on a ship, the ship of life that's rocking them to and fro. And it's like a drunken man. They stagger in like a drunken man, as it says here. Their perplexity is seen to the heights, to the lows, weary. Uh, Everything they do doesn't seem to bring satisfaction in their life. Why? Because they haven't got the Lord. He's the only one that can bring that contentment to our lives. Listen to what the Bible says in Isaiah 57, verse 20 and 21. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. Isn't that so true? Isaiah 17, verse 12 to 13 reads, Woe to the multitude of many people who make a noise like the noise of the sea and to the rushing of nations that make rushing like the rushing of mighty waters. The nations shall rush rush like the rushing of many waters, but God shall rebuke them. They shall flee afar off and shall be chased like the chaff of the mountains before the wind and like a rolling thing roly-poly we call them here, like a rolling thing before the whirlwind. That's what the unsaved people are like. They haven't got an answer. And as the world rushes headlong toward destruction, the world leaders have not got an answer. God has given those who believe the answer in his book, the word of God, hasn't he? It's life in Christ Jesus and to be delivered from the wrath to come. Through the grace and goodness of God, we will be delivered. And so the petition again in verse 28, Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. They keep crying unto the Lord in their trouble. That's what the Lord wants to hear. He's got his ear open for us to cry in our trouble. When has been the most and the time that you have and I have drawn closest to the Lord? It's in our time of trouble. That's why God brings trouble (laughs) or allows trouble to come in our lives because it draws us close to him. It makes us sincere in our prayers, sincere in our devotion. Oh, we don't like it. The flesh kicks and bucks against the troubles. And don't say, well, you're the preacher. You've got no troubles. (laughs) No, go talk to another preacher and ask them about their troubles. <laughs> we, yeah, we have troubles. We all have troubles. We're in the body. <laughs> we're in this old flesh. Brother Ian was saying today, you know, we have trouble in this flesh, won't we? And tribulation will come. And our petition is to cry unto the Lord in our troubles. And he answers us, doesn't he? He comes with a quick answer, sometimes a bit slower, but it comes. <laughs> And we see their provision in verse 29. He maketh the storm to calm, so the waves thereof are still. A glassy sea, we call it. (laughs) Then are they glad, because they are quiet. So he bringeth them unto their desired haven. What (laughs) wonderful things are in this portion of scripture. If If you're a seaman, a seafaring person, you could read this and, yep, I've been there. I've been out in the storm. When the storm arose, a cyclone happened when I was out there. And then we got into harbour, the desired haven. We see their provision in that. 
He delivered them. He calmed their sea. He brought them joy. He brought them to safety. He brought them to peace. He brought them to their haven of rest. Don't we sing a song something like that? The haven of rest that we come to? He brings us to the haven of rest. I can imagine that Paul and those companions on that ship to Rome, they'd been tossed to and fro how many? 40 days and 40 nights in a sailing ship without an engine and without oars. What a terrible place to be in. (laughs) Tossed to and fro. Didn't know it was day or night. Had to throw all the food overboard eventually. And then they struck, or they still had mast, didn't they? Because they set the mast and drove drove it into land. (laughs) They just bogged this thing and get off here. (laughs) And they did. And they come there and the Lord had a reason for it all, didn't he? The, the leader of the country. and I, it, it seemed to be all downhill. They, they started gathering f- sticks. They'd all wet. It was cold. And they'd build a fire. And Paul, being half blind, picked up a stick and it was a snake. And it bit him. And then the locals said, well, he must have been a sinner. Got him. <laughs> no, no. And he shook it off. It, 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 that's what it says. He shook it off in the fire. You don't often do that or... Roast him for a while. <laughs> but he shook it off in the fire. And then they're all looking at him. He's going to drop dead. He's going to drop dead. And he didn't. And then the locals, how changeable they are. One, one minute he's a demon, the next he, he's, he's God. And then he got to talk to the leader of the country. And all the, all the troubles that came, in, came to him that day, you'd think, you know, this, he's on a mission to Rome. How can God be in all this? He was, wasn't he? And God used that terrible occasion to bring them to their desired haven. What's your desired haven? What are you wanting in life? Where are you goaling for? What are you going at? What's your business? What's, what makes you talk when someone talks to you? What you get you chatty? You know, that, that's, what's, that's what your really desired haven is, isn't it? If the desired haven is down here in this world... They're all going to get burned up. Then you've got the wrong haven. Look for another port. <laughs> we're going to dock in heaven. That's where we're going, isn't it? If you're a Christian, that's where you're headed. And we can do what they did, and they said it again in verse 31. Oh, that men would what? Praise the Lord for his... Let's say it together. We almost got there. By repeating it four times. Verse 31 together. Oh, would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. If you're saved, you can say that and say amen too. <laughs> Let them exalt him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. That's why we can sing. <laughs> they got something to crow about. No, sing about. <laughs> They're not crowing about it. That's boasting. We can sing about what the Lord has done for us in the assembly of the elders. He turneth the rivers into wilderness. What a, a wonderful, good God he is. Last week we saw the goodness of God in convicting Matthew at the camp in New Guinea. We've heard of the testimony of a man this week that gave testimony to that fact four years ago. He became a Christian at 88. That's the goodness of God. And pray that the goodness of God would work in your family for 
all those of your relatives who are not saved yet, that they would see the goodness of God and come to the desired haven with you, Port Heaven. Glad to reach there one day soon. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful psalm that talks about the goodness of God to the captives of Israel. How they came home. They went back to the city. Lord, we as Christians are headed home. We're not there yet. We're on our way. You know, Lord, each of us, each of our situations. You know the troubles that we face, the temptations that we're tempted with. Oh Lord, I pray that we'd keep our eyes on Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated on the right hand of heaven, in heaven. He's come to his desired haven, and Lord, we're headed there too. Keep our focus on that with all the noise and din of the world. May we keep our eyes on the desired port and haven. And may we be able to say, Lord, take me home when we're ready to go. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.